This is the Bladcast, a sometimes fast-paced but usually meandering look at the world. Hosted by Christian Blatt. Dim your lights, silence your phones, return trade tables to their upright and locked positions, and get ready for what is quite possibly the longest hour, or shortest two hours and 56 minutes, of your life. And now, your host, Christian Blatt. Welcome to the Black Cast. We've got a lot of music to talk to you about this week, so we're going to jump right into it with a return guest to the podcast. He probably doesn't even realize this. Rachel Boland of Skid Row, he's making his triumphant return to our show only a scant 440 episodes later. Uh, this is podcast 505. And Rachel, you joined us way back in episode 65 in June of 2014. But welcome back to the show. Wow, dude, that's really congrats having a podcast going on that long, man. That's killer. Uh-oh. You guys, uh, you have a new album coming out, Skid Row does. And we're definitely going to talk about that, the new song, the new video. But I think a great place to start would be uh, the band's new singer, uh, Eric Gronwall. Uh, talk a little bit about Eric and anybody who's heard any of the new songs. I think feel that he really brings kind of the, you know, the energy and just sort of the 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 range, the voice that people come to expect from Skid Row, right? Yeah, man. He uh, yeah. uh he grew up listening to us, and and it it, uh, it it's it's really cool. Actually, the whole story is really cool. How he he's from sweden outside of stockholm and he um he won stockholm idol or sweden swedish idol um right and his audition song was 18 in life so talk about a full circle it's a song that broke his career as well as a song that broke our career (laughs) you know what i mean and here we are uh how, how many you know years later and now he's our lead singer and he's doing an amazing job. We, we, uh, we were, we're so fortunate to get him and he does, he brings an energy that, uh, you know, to the band that has just raised the bar. It, it's kind of the same when Rob, Rob Hammersmith joined the band and he, uh, Scotty snake and I played harder and we played better. Um, and now that Eric joined the band, all four of us, are playing better and playing harder and just, it's just a really good fit and his voice suits the band. His attitude suits the band. He's just such a great performer. And on top of all that, he's just a really good dude. And he he just has the band's interest in mind and, you know, he has a great work ethic and obviously the dude has pipes. (laughs) Yeah, in uh, preparing to talk to you today, I was reminded that he was in that NBC Jesus Christ Superstar a few years ago, uh, which also included for our visual audience, I've got uh, an Alice Cooper shirt on. He was Herod in that. And I was just watching and I'm like, oh, yeah, I, I obviously you can't help but notice, you know, and he had that big voice and he's standing there and, you know, John Legend is just sort of looking at him, you know, and uh, you're like, oh, yeah, that's, you know, so he's uh, very versatile, which I think is great, you know. Uh, you want to be able to hit those high notes that people expect from mm-hmm. the classic Skid Row songs, but uh, he definitely brings a new energy to the new songs. So uh, that's great. Now, my understanding is that 
you your first show with him in front of a crowd was uh, opening up the residency for the Scorpions in Vegas earlier this year. Is that correct? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, you know, n- n- nothing like just putting your toe in a water with a, you know, a, a small club gig just to get used to yeah, it. Jumping in the deep end, man. And the crazy <laughs> thing about it is that, you know, we were uh, obviously on zoom all the time and on the phone all the time because he was recording the record remotely at his house in Sweden, but we had never met in person until the Tuesday before the first show of the residency. So it's like, okay, this guy sings great, but we haven't had any real like hangout time, you know? And so he, we met him on a Tuesday. We rehearsed uh, Wednesday and Thursday, took Friday off. And our first show was that Saturday and, you know, we were just, we were all jumping in the deep end, you know what I mean? And it's like, we got together and we had the same offbeat sense of humor, just a bunch of knuckleheads that that grew up with the same background. We all liked the same music. And most importantly, we all had the same work ethic and we took, we take pride, great pride in what we do. So it just, it was just really a seamless transition, you know, and it, it's still that way. And he, he's just very creative. He, he's the first singer we ever had that played an instrument and he plays gu- guitar and piano. And it's just, it's, it's really brought a new, uh, a new energy to the band. And it, it's a new energy that was an old energy. So we're, we're, we, we feel we're just hitting on all eight cylinders right now. And we feel really good about it. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, that, I mean, I think that's the important thing. And, uh, you know, the surprising to hear you say that you didn't meet him right in, right until right before the show, because, you know, you meet somebody on Zoom, there's, it's so different, you know, I mean, for one thing, I mean, just off the top of my head, he could have had like just the worst body odor of any human on earth. <laughs> you would have had no way to know it. And then you're like, wait, we're going to be on a bus with this guy? Yeah, so, well, I mean, <laughs> again, he fits right in. <laughs> That's perfect. Yeah. So, uh, but that's great though, that uh, it works well. And uh, that was uh, back in the spring. So you guys have done shows together. I know you had a a big tour this summer with Warrant and then some of the, some other bands mixed and matched, right? How did that go? Yeah, it's still going. Uh, We have a few more shows. It's a live to rock tour and uh, it's us and Warrant and um, Wingers on a lot of the shows. And then Quiet Ride is on some and Lita Ford uh, was on a couple. But um, yeah, it's mainly us, Warrant, and Winger, and it's just been going great. And the cool thing is, man, we we've all the bands have known each other for well over thirty years, and it's just easy. It's just so easy. We're all just like walking in and out of each other's dressing rooms, and just you know sitting there. And it's we're all buds to begin with. So to go on tour with uh, you know you know ten more of your friends it's just such a cool thing and it just goes so easy, you know, Hey man, do you think uh, we could borrow this? Our aunt blue. Yep. Our crew is already on it. You know, this went wrong. Our uh, bass pedal went, okay. Our crew's on it, you know? So it's just, it's really cool stuff like that. And it just means a lot to, to be able to still do it after all these years with our friends, you know? 
Yeah, no, that's great. I mean, that's uh, obviously, you know, when you go out for a night and you're going to get, you know, three bands that or maybe four some nights, you know, where you get all these songs that you're like, oh, my God, I know these songs. And, you know, I know that uh, you've known uh, uh, Eddie Trunk for a long time since early in your career. And he always makes this. I mean, he's made it a lot of times, but the first time he ever made it, I hadn't really thought about it. So just like the fact that the music of the late eighties and early nineties, there's a generation where it's like, it's their hard rock, their classic rock. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. sure. And I mean, you know, I was in, uh, I, I like started high school in 1990. So, you know, it's like in the sweet spot for me, love older stuff from the seventies and sixties, but you know, the stuff that I would buy new and go and see bands in concert, you know, uh, I, I saw you guys, one of the, you did a show when you were on tour with Pantera. And uh, uh, out it was like a parking lot at the Meadowlands. It wasn't oh, yeah. inside the Meadowlands. Yeah. But and uh, you know, and it's it's just it's interesting to think about the fact that yeah, I mean, it's you know, thirty years ago, a little bit more than thirty years ago, that Slavers of the Grind came out. You know, and people that come to see you, obviously, they're bringing their kids who were nowhere near born when any of this stuff came out. So yeah. it's got to be great to be able to share it, you know, uh, you know, just multi-generational fans out there in the crowd. Yeah, it, it's something because I, I remember when I went, like, I guess it was it was before we toured with Kiss and I went to a Kiss show and I remember seeing a dad with his daughter on his shoulders and, you know, she had the ear protection on and whatever. I'm like, man, that's really cool. Hopefully someday that'll happen with Skid Row. Like, we'll, you know, they'll bring their little brothers and little sisters or their kids. And it, it ha it's, it's been happening for years now. And it's just a really cool feeling. I mean, first of all, there, there's there's a couple different phases of cool in there it's like all right the parents are that cool that they want to turn the kids on to their the music that they grew up listening to right. and the other part is the fact that they, they we're transcending generations and you know which gives a band longevity and and it, it's just a really cool cool feeling to see that and to just to see like a seven-year-old kid chucking the horns at us up on stage it's just hilarious and it, it's it's pretty awesome man yeah it's it's funny that you say that because my my son is seven and my daughter's four and i feel like my four-year-old daughter would probably be uh, more excited to go to, you know, she definitely, <laughs> we brought her to a baseball game and she wanted the the little ear protection. So, yeah. you know, I get it totally, but uh, you know, and it, it is fun, but it's just like, I'm like, yeah, they're just, they're just a little, little young to go and see, you know, uncle Alice get his head chopped off, you know? <laughs> yeah. so, but uh, you know, I, I definitely think about that. You know, I, I, I think about, I have, I have friends who are in a kiss tribute band and I'm like, maybe the baby step where I don't spend, you know, $400 to take them to Seattle. <laughs> right, right. And we see how they do with the tribute band. And, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, and, and, you know, especially when you have these multi-band bills, you know, uh, it, you know. Uh, obviously, over the summer, the one of the big tours was that stadium tour with Motley, Def Leppard, Joan Jett, and Poison. And I mean, I think there were grandparents, kids, grandkids that were sure. there for all those. You know, and yep. uh, uh, and you see a lot of it. And you know, uh, your your tour a much more affordable ticket than, than that. So that's <laughs> yeah, I would say. Mind, you, know? <laughs> you, you get just as many hits. And you only spend a fraction yeah. of the money. To yeah, yeah, and, and you're a lot closer to the stage. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a great point. Yeah, I was. I, I, I'm in LA, so I went to 
SoFi Stadium where the Super Bowl was. And I'm like, these wouldn't even have been great seats for the Super Bowl. <laughs> but uh, so I'm glad that to, to hear that it's going well. You know, uh, I, I, I talked about in the intro that uh, the, you know, the last time I talked to you was in uh, 2014. And uh, Johnny Solinger was the front man of the band at that point. And I hadn't seen you guys in a while. And I thought he was great. Uh, you guys did a show uh, in Hermosa Beach that I went to. And it was, you know, any you know, anytime a band changes a, a singer, has somebody new, you know, for a couple minutes, you're like, oh, I wonder how this is going to be. And then you hear these songs that you know and you love. And then, you know, you guys had some new EPs out at the point at that point, And I'd been listening to them. So it was like you kind of get over it pretty quickly, you know, when sure. when you get to see it, you know. And I mean, it's uh, so, uh, yeah, I, while I, I haven't had a chance to uh, see this iteration, I, you know, ha and and that's the thing I think that a lot of people I don't maybe didn't realize is that you know I know Johnny's passed away, but he was in the band for like 15 years, right? So you had yeah, you know, yeah, he yeah, he's been the singer for the longest run in the band, unless I'm mistaken, right? No, like, you're correct. Yeah. That's correct. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he was he was in he joined in 2000, and yeah. um, we parted ways I think in 2015. Right. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but, uh, so, you know, and I, I think it's great to hear that, uh, you know, you guys have found Eric and, uh, you know, that it's going well. So, uh, yeah. So, and you said the tour is still out, so that's great. And, uh, let's talk about the gangs all here, which that'll be available October 14th. And sure. of course it's all about the pre-orders. Uh, and I thought it was interesting. It says to pre-order and pre-save now go to skidrow.com. <laughs> yeah. That's like a new term where I guess it's like, no, save it in your iTunes or whatever app you use. I guess so yeah. on October fourteenth, because I've I've done that with a few albums lately. You know, again, I have two kids. It's a little bit harder to get to the record store than it used to be. So I'm like, oh wow, that new album is already here for me to listen to. So October fourteenth, that's when everybody can get it. Uh, talk a little bit about this album. Uh, it's it's the first full album in a while, or uh, yeah, yeah, in a really long time. Yeah. Um, man, I. I I don't even know how many years, but um, <clears throat> yeah, we, um, you know, we, we started, it, it's been a weird process and, and, uh, and by weird, I just mean so much has happened during the process of it. <laughs> you know, we started it once and then um, we decided we needed more songs and then we switched labels and then COVID hit <laughs> and then we switched singers in the midst of the whole thing, got a new singer. So up to that point, we, uh, you know, we, we started from scratch uh, with a new label and we got Nick Graskulinix. He, uh, he produced the record and his, his, his track record is pretty damn stellar, <laughs> you know, Rush. Yeah. Who, just for our, for our audience, yeah. you know, he's previously he's worked with, uh, Foo Fighters, Alice in Chains, Rush, you know, so uh, you Hellstorm, know, Stone Hellstorm, Sour, Sour yeah. yeah, but uh, you know, it's it, it's one of those things where it's like if he'd worked with one of those bands, you'd probably be like, yeah, that's probably going to be fine. But yeah. uh, you know, uh, I've I've heard him talk a lot about his process. You know, I referenced your friend Eddie Trunk before. I know he listens to Eddie's show, yeah, and so he's on somewhat regularly. Mm. And uh, you know, it's it's definitely one of those one of those guys that you know he's newer in the grand scheme of things you know he's not bob ezrin or something but you hear him and you go like oh yeah i love like eight albums that this guy produced i just it's didn't crazy it, it's yeah. crazy and, and yeah. you know he he's 
he's a very good friend. And just one night at dinner, he goes, um, let's do a skid row record. I'm like, don't play with me, man. <laughs> you know, <laughs> don't just say this because we drank some sake. No, but he, uh, he goes, no, I'm serious. Let's, let's do a record. So we went in with a bunch of songs and he's old school. He, he is, he does what a producer is supposed to do, you know, and he, whether you get your feelings hurt or whatever, if, if you get your feelings hurt easy, then he might not be the right guy for you. But, um, you know, he's like, love this song. That one sucks. Dude, I love these parts, this and that. And we just went in and just kind of tore everything apart and started with the basic foundation of the song and built it up. And the one thing he said to us that, that just, it still resonates is he's like, you guys need to be more skid row. And it's like, wow. And it started to make sense after a while because it's like, okay, yeah, we, yeah, you know, I did used to play bass lines like that, or I did used to write parts like that. And so he got us back on track and, and got us back, uh, for lack of a better term, to our roots. And it's really not that easy to retrace your steps with the, as long as our career has been, you know. And he got us back there because he was a fan first. And those songs were a photograph in time for him where they're not for us because they're with us all the time. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, yeah, he got us back there. And during that whole process, uh, we, we got Eric in the band and he, like I said, he recorded remotely. Like he, he was in Sweden. He couldn't travel over here and, you know, Nick and him just recorded his vocals. Like, you know, here, dude, try this, try that, change this part. And then, came to the band and we gave our input and that was the weirdest part of it. And it was, it was a little stressful, but once we saw how, like, <laughs> basically how much Eric had his shit together, it was like, wow, this is really cool. This guy, he's smart. He knows, uh, he knows how to, you know, record his vocals. This is great. So they all came, all the vocals, except for two songs, which we finished in Vegas, um, came in and then it was time for him to fly over here. But the funniest thing about it is he told me after the fact, after all the vocals were done, he's like, I had never recorded my vocals before. <laughs> he goes, oh, wow. I just went on YouTube and, and learned how to work a compressor and, <laughs> and all this, you know, he knew good mic technique, obviously, but right. Uh, and I just go, man, I am so glad you didn't tell me that ahead of time. I would have I, all my hair would have fallen out. I would have looked a thousand years old. So uh, but yeah, so he he adapted to the songs and what we sent him so quickly and that it just sounded it just sounded natural. And he was knocking off a song a day, you know, um, he's like, yeah, I did, I did this this today, you know, uh, have family commitments tomorrow so i'll get to the next one i was like awesome this guy is like he's just so down to earth and, and like like i said he has the same work ethic it's like only your best is what you'll get you know and, and it, it was just a it was a, a stressful and weird process but it was really cool as well were the uh the rest of the band were you guys all in the studio together or was it early enough in COVID where everybody was like at their own home studios and sending each other tracks or how did the music part of it come together uh no when, when we got together for pre-production and for uh recording um we we all got together um we tested before we got in the studio and we wore masks um you know it was just 
it's before any of us really had any kind of vaccine or any kind of defense against anything. And so we just, we just played it safe and Nick played it safe and Nathan, the, uh, uh, assistant played it safe and everything was cool, you know, and no one had a problem with anything. And, and, uh, yeah, that's how we did it. And then once we all started getting vaxxed, we're like, all right, I'm taking my mask off. (laughs) (laughs) I can't breathe. I can't breathe and rock, you know? (laughs) So, but you know, we did what we had to do. Yeah, no, I know. There's obviously there's the different stages of uh, the pandemic. And I've talked to enough bands where they did it, you know, the different ways. They did it the way where, where you guys were in the studio together. And then the other times, you know, they were able to get guest musicians or maybe use people easier because it's like, well, everybody was going to have to, you know, record it themselves and then send it. So, you know, and I don't know, just to my ear, it's not like I can tell the difference. I'm like, oh, this is one of them Zoom records. You can tell, you know what I mean? Right, so right, uh, probably yeah. for some bands, though, they'd be like, oh, man, this would have sounded better. But uh, good for you guys that you were able to do it. And really, it's it's just sort of, you know, Eric off off in the distance uh, uh, trying to, you know, get the vocals in there. Um, I wanted to talk about uh, the the latest song that's been released uh, is Time Bomb. And uh, I've I've heard the song. And by the time most people are going to hear this, uh, the video will already be out. Uh, let's start with the video. Uh, talk about uh, Dale, who uh, worked on it with you, who'd done videos before, I guess, for Five Finger Death Punch and Guns N' Roses. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, but uh, talk a little bit about uh, getting to work with him and how that was able to sort of bring the video, uh, bring the music to life in video form. It, it was, first of all, it, it, it's, I, I'd never directed a video before. So I co-directed with Dale. Um, and I, I always had it like, yeah, maybe someday, but I never really pressed for it. And then when we were shooting um, Tear It Down, we were just on a, on a dinner break and Scotty said, man, you should, you should direct our next video. And I'm like, all right. If all the guys are cool with it, I will. And, yeah. and so I, I made a treatment up and, you know, I always start really large. So it was very theatrical and whatever. And and then uh, I met Dale. We met uh, uh, our management company had known Dale and they said, man, you should really meet this dude. And so we talked. I said, here's my vision. And he, you know, He's like, unfortunately, your vision is going to cost about a quarter million dollars. <laughs> <laughs> he goes, Let, let's let's work on it and we'll uh, we'll get it to where everybody, all you guys feel good about it. So he's he's got a lot of energy and a lot of ideas. And I love people like that. I love working with people like that. He's very passionate and he's. Uh, he was stoked to work with us as we were to work with him. We saw what, what he did with five finger and a couple other things he did. And right away I was like, man, this guy, he, I like the way he approaches stuff, you know? So we just talked on the phone a few times and we hit it off. We hit it off really well. And, and uh, the day that the band met him um, other than snake snake met him on a zoom, but the rest of the guys didn't meet him until we showed up at the studio and everyone got along with him. Great. And it was, there was a great energy there and, and everything like the set and stuff that we were, that I was saying, here's a design, just jotting down sketches and sending it over the, you know, sending him pictures of it. He just had built 
And I saw that through the whole process and it was cool. It was really cool working with him. Cause like I said, he has a great energy. The funniest thing was there, there's a, a few parts in the video where we're actually, I'm using the term loosely acting, <laughs> but <laughs> with, without lines, you know, we're just, just, so you'll see it on, I think Wednesday. So um, he's like, all right, direct. And I was like, Oh, okay. It's fine. Cause up until that point it was performance. And then, uh, so I was like, all right, cool. And it was, it probably would have been, I, I felt this rush of nerves, which I like. I like being out of my comfort zone. And this is something completely new that I never did before. But it probably would have went a lot easier if it were people I did not know, you know. But this was like, you know, telling my family, okay, do this now. Da, 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 da. And it was pretty cool, man. And the guys were into it and we had a lot of fun with it. And then the final result, you know, we, we just finished editing it and um, it, it, it came out really good. It came out really good. It's, it's my vision that I had from a different direction. It doesn't really make sense saying that, but it, I'm really happy with the way the video came out. It looks great. And um, like I said, just working with him and his whole crew and uh, Mills, the editor, he, he, you know, these guys are really cool. And, and there was never any, you know, well, I think your idea is stupid. You know, I, 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 I got this kind of experience. You don't, you know, there was never any of that. And it was a great learning experience for me. I, I, I would love to do it again. It would be really cool. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense that if you're going to step up and be a director, you have to actually be comfortable. Like, yeah, I'm just going to have to tell people what to do. You know, we were talking about the producer for the album, Nick Raskulin. It's having worked with uh, Rush, you know, and it wasn't like, you know, he's old and it was earlier in their career. You know, they were already, uh, you know, these icons. And you're like, no, Neil, let me tell you how you need to drum here. You know? <laughs> so you have but you have to be able to do that or you're not going to be you know not going to be good in that uh, authority role producer director whatever uh you referenced another video that you guys did for this album uh tear it down now did you guys just go hey look they're knocking that house down let's just uh play in front of it or was there more to it than that uh no well no there wasn't much more to it but <laughs> it was kind of like hey, they're tearing down a funeral home and you're shooting a video on the streets of Passaic or Patterson, wherever it was. And I'm like, we're all like, what? <laughs> so, so we just showed up. We were in Jersey and, you know, we showed up and we they're like, OK, you're playing right in the street. We got all the streets blocked off. And it was actually a pretty fun experience. Um, people were gathering around. There was a school. And I'm like, oh, man, he's dropping a bunch of F-bombs in this song through all these speakers. There's an elementary school. Can't wait to see the principal come run out the front door. And sure as hell, man. Uh, but, yeah, a lot of people were gathering on the street and having fun. And we've never done a video like that before. And it was cool. It, it was a lot of fun, man. And being in our home state, of course, made it even more fun. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, I, I'm glad that that's what it was, you know, yeah. that it was just as simple as like, <laughs> yeah, let's just go play. Yeah. And, uh, uh, you know, um, just to one more thing to before we wrap up, you know, we're talking about sort of, you know, multi-generational appeal, talked about the tour that you guys went on, talked about the stadium tour. And then I know that, uh, you know, merchandising is such a big part of it. Uh, we talked about Kiss earlier, you know, and they mm -hmm. basically invented it. But when you have a brand that's as recognizable as Skid Row, 
you know, obviously that's got to be a big part of it. And, you know, in the notes before, uh, you know, I was putting everything together to talk to you, I, I see that there's a, a lot of sort of that kind of licensing. And I mean, I know that's important because, you know, uh, if I, I, I don't buy things there, but if I walk past, you know, some vintage clothing shops in, on, on Melrose here in LA, you'll see like a Def Leppard shirt from 1987. It's like $500. You're like, what? <laughs> I'm like, I think I might have that. I know. It's got a, might have a hole in it, but that might even work. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I mean, I think that it's, and, and you know, you'll see like, uh, and I think one of the Kardashians was like wearing a Metallica shirt on something. And it's like, she's never heard a Metallica song in her life. But, you know, there's the, these, this, these cool images and obviously just the term Skid Row. So talk a little bit about that, where it's obviously it helps the music but it can kind of also be separate, you know, to have skid row shops and hot topic, which I've had, I've gone into hot topic a couple of times and whatever music they're playing in there, it's usually not skid row. Uh, yeah. It's usually not something that I have. Uh, it's uh, you know, it, it, it depends on what color hair the person working at, uh, <laughs> yeah. at the hot topic has, if it's blue, it's probably EDM, you know, yeah. if they've got a Mohawk, maybe you'll get like some, you know, rancid or operation Ivy. Yeah. Yeah. It, um, <clears throat> well, we finally have a shirt in hot topic, which is cool. Um, nice. <laughs> yeah. It, uh, yeah. Merchandise is, uh, obviously it's, it's kind of hand in hand with every band, you know, that's, that's, you make a, a lot of money off of merchandise. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'd like seeing, and this is just the purest in me and I'm old school. If, if someone has a Ramon shirt on, I want them to like the Ramones. I want them to or, know. Or maybe, maybe be able to name two songs. Right. You know? Right. <laughs> you set the bar low. Like, yeah. Like Creek Bop. What are you talking about? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, um, but you know, it, it's pretty cool when a logo becomes, uh, you know, just popular enough where people are like, "Oh yeah, this is ironic. I'm gonna wear this." You know what I mean? It's funny because I saw a guy who I'm a, a Yankees fan, like diehard Yankees fan. Well, I, and, I'm a Mets fan, but I'm gonna continue talking to you all the same. <laughs> Snake's a Mets fan. <laughs> this is this is one of those rare years where they both make the playoffs. So. I know. So yeah. so. Um, I forget where I was, but this dude had on this really cool Yankees hat. And this was a few years ago. And I forget who we were talking about. Well, well who I brought up. Uh, I think it was the year Jeter was retiring. Oh, no, he was going for his 3,000th hit. And I was like, you think he, uh, Jeter's going to hit it this weekend? And he's like, what? And I go, Jeter. New York Yankees. Yeah. He's like, Oh, I just like the hat. <laughs> and I was like, right. all right. <laughs> well, that's the thing too, is like, obviously, uh, you know, people come to New York from all over the country, all over the world. They're buying a New York hat. I don't know what percentage, obviously the Yankees is one of the most recognizable names, names in sports. Hmm. You're going to have some percentage. You're like, yeah, I bought a New York hat. Well, do you yeah. know what that hat is? It's like, yeah, it's New York, New York. You know? Right. And right. As look, as much as I grew up loving the Mets, who's going to want to buy the orange and blue hat? You know, you're going to want that navy blue with the white on it. You know? Yeah, or, exactly. Or maybe, maybe uh, you know, a pink one for your daughter or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, and it's it, it's yeah, it's a great point. It's really the same thing. You know. Yeah, it's, it's uh, just it's just branding. You know. Yeah, what I mean? no, it is, it is just branding. Branding 101. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, sports branding, music branding. It's like you don't automatically get to talk to somebody. You know. Right. Just the 
the, you know, if you'd had that conversation at Yankee Stadium, it would have been more annoying. Be like, what do you mean? Who's Jeter? You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, uh, so, I mean, that's got to be great, you know, especially to have, have you know, the shirt in Hot Topic. And it's probably a lot of like, you know, we're talking about the, you know, people with their kids, you know, mm-hmm. looking at shirts like, what's Skid Row? What's Skid Row? All right. Uh, like yeah. When we get home, I've I've got a couple of CDs to dust off for you. Exactly. Uh, but uh, what what has yet to been able to gather dust, of course, is the gang's all here. That's the new album available October. Well, pre-orders right now. This second you can get it, hmm. and uh, everybody will be able to get to hear it. And there's uh, one of the other songs I've heard from it is the gang's all here, which is another great song. So I think that and uh time bomb and uh the other one was tear it down so those are the three that we've heard that's right and uh looking forward to hearing the rest which october 14th is the big day uh is it just skid row the website all social media is it that simple or do we have to do skid row official or anything like that just skidrow.com or official skid row on instagram and facebook and all that stuff and i know i I'm supposed to know all the links to all the different like, YouTube and all that, but yeah, but it, it gets there easy. Just I, usually official Skid Row will get you. We're talking the video for Time Bomb wasn't out yet, uh, but I was able yeah. to hear the song. I went to YouTube. I typed in Skid Row. It goes right to your channel. Yeah. Then yeah. there's like you know people you know filmed you know monkey business with their phone. Which, yeah. if I wanted to watch that, I could. But yeah. what I was looking for was the official page, and that came up first. So right on, cool. Yeah, and you can get there through our website. All the links yeah. to all our yeah. socials are on the. That's website. yeah. It's it's a lot easier to uh, you know find stuff from a band you know that, than it used to. Now it's a lot of like, hey, I wonder if Skid Row has a new album. You can find the answer to that in literally ten seconds. Yeah, you know? yeah, so exactly. You don't have to the... wait for Circus Magazine to come out. And... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Okay, they got a new album coming out. <laughs> yeah, Hit Parader says they're going to have a new album sometime in the next three years. Yeah, so, you know, <laughs> exactly. exactly. Well, uh, Rachel, it's great that we got a chance to talk again. Uh, hopefully, it's less than 440 episodes before we talk again. But Let's if it is, it. that's all right. I won't take it personally. <laughs> uh, but anyway, great getting to chat with you. Looking forward to the new album. And uh, hopefully, uh, you guys are uh, out here in L.A. or the L.A. area sometime soon. I know over the summer you were in Orange County and it was like the middle of the week. And when you live in LA going down to Orange County, it's like, do I have four hours to drive down there before? That's the what everyone would say. All my friends up yeah. in LA are like, yeah, dude, I'll see you next time. You're here. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like you, did you do anything, uh, you know, in the, at the whiskey even or yeah. something. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's uh, you know, speaking of baseball, it's like trying to, trying to get to an angels game for first pitch at seven o'clock is like, you're gonna have to take the day off. Oh anymore. yeah, Snake and I did that one time when he was living out there, and we uh, we had Yankees Angels tickets. Sure. We we left. We thought we had plenty of time. We didn't get there until the third inning. Yeah. We we're like, you got to be kidding me. So. Yeah. No, I've had people go for a, a friend of mine uh, who's a Red Sox fan. One of the years that they were playing them in the playoffs, he left. He left work early. He left at three. He missed the first three innings. It's so, crazy, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That sounds about the same. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, anyway, uh, the gang's all here, uh, is, uh, again, now available for pre-orders October 14th. Uh, thanks again, Rachel. I look forward to chatting to you again. Right on, man. Thank you, man.
all through the night Neighborhoods of social pages Fight the war of red versus blue The hostility rages And the trolls come after you musicians who are all part of an upcoming musical a rock opera called staring into nothing that will be at the uh, the portal theater uh very nearby where i live in north hollywood california uh in october we'll get into those specifics but i wanted to uh take a moment to let each of the musicians who are joining us today uh say hello and uh, uh just uh introduce themselves all right, I'll start. Uh, hello, I'm Denny Fungheiser. Um, I'm uh, one of the producers and musical director, and we'll be playing drums uh, for Staring Into Nothing. I'm Steve Rogers. I uh, am, I guess, responsible for the concept or the story of the presentation, the lyrics, and I'm the co-writer of the music with my partner sitting next to me here, who will introduce himself now. I'm Kurt Barabas. I, uh co-wrote the music with Steve and I play bass guitar and staring into nothing. That's a, that's a true collaboration. You know, not to actually say his name, you introduce <laughs> him, you let him speak. <laughs> we get the, the spotlight right on him. He has his moment. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about this show itself and you know, we'll get into all of it. Uh, I just sort of uh, wanted to ask each of you if before this project going back decades, if there was, the term really rock opera is I think appropriate when it is, uh, you know, a, a staged musical, but with uh, musicians, uh, obviously, uh, the who's Tommy immediately comes to mind for me, what I saw multiple times, they were, uh, you know, they were revivals, but, uh, I saw multiple productions of Jesus Christ superstar. The music from that, uh, was on in my house a lot, not just at Easter time. My mom loved that movie <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> wore out the VHS. And so, I mean, I, and uh, my favorite artist is, has been since I was in middle school, Alice Cooper. And uh, he has, you know, musical, uh, a number of conceptual albums. So the yeah. idea of music telling stories beyond three minutes is something that I think personally, I always gravitated to. Uh, so uh, we can just sort of go in order if you like, and uh, we'll just, uh, or you know what? Let me, I'll try to mix it up. Steve, why don't you go first? What, what comes to mind when you think just sort of what connected to you? Like, wow, this story is, you know, going beyond, uh, you know, what we're used to, you know, the first time that maybe you realized, you know, the, the who's Tommy obviously comes out as an album, but just what was it for you personally? Yeah, I think that, uh, you know, I grew up loving so many, um, presentations of music in, in, in a narrative form and they run the gamut from, you know, things that were done in the 60s by the Kinks to the 70s by the Who and, you know, all the way up to the Pink, Pink Floyd album, The Wall and things like that. And so I've always had a predilection, just as you mentioned, maybe you have for things that sort of stretch the envelope of what songs and, and music can do in terms of having themes that are wider than just three or four minute versions. And so 
Um, also, I think that they I love those Alice Cooper concept albums, many of them produced by Bob Ezrin, uh, some yeah. of my favorite music. Um, and so I think underneath <clears throat> the form of anything that I write, there is a certain amount of theatricality. Um, and this project was an opportunity to sort of take it to its next logical step, which is an entire, you know, narrative uh, rock musical. And, and in my mind, it's a rock opera because it has, you know, great musicians on stage performing rock in what I characterize as the classic rock style, very organic. Um, and it's also got, you know, nine members of the cast who are performing and, and singing individually and collectively and moving through the story. Yeah, I think you touched on something very interesting because whether it's in terms of theatrical stagings or just touring musicians, talking about organically having musicians create the music instead of someone who is out on stage with a laptop like the one I'm talking into right now and you know, you can have a lot of music crammed into a laptop. And uh, <laughs> the first time I ever saw that, it was two guys with an acoustic guitar. I won't say what band it was. And the laptop was there. I'm like, oh, is that for them to just read their lyrics? And then you start to realize like, oh, no, music's coming out of that. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's very jarring. You know, whereas like two guys can just play acoustic guitar and it's amazing. You know what I mean? It's like a lot of times you don't need it. Uh, but anyway, I thought that was interesting. Uh, it, it, but uh, s uh, basically, same question for you, Denny, uh, in terms of, you know, prior to this project, uh, just uh, just enjoying uh, you know, musical storytelling, whether it be rock opera, opera or concept albums. Oh, I've um, I like you uh, gravitated towards Jesus Christ Superstar when I was a kid. And um, I was probably about 11 years old. I remember going to the movie and uh, and um, I became a huge fan also of, of Ted Neely and Carl Anderson at the time and uh, who were in, in, that, in that film. And um, <clears throat> uh, I've always enjoyed uh, concept records. Uh, I my most of my career, I played on a lot of records and and, and, and produced some and um, I've always enjoyed it when it's a concept record, something to say, especially when you have 10 songs in a row. And in this case, it's 22 songs. Um, yeah. You know, uh, about a year and a half ago, um, a little over a year and a half ago, Steve contacted me and, uh, and mentioned about possibly producing this record. And, uh, and he said it was a concept record that, that, that is what kind of, I wasn't really looking to produce something at the time. And, um, but when you say concept record, I really wanted to hear it. And, uh, and I, I really liked what he was doing a lot. And so um, we went in and did it and talk about uh, being organic. You know, we, we, we tracked this pretty live for the most part. Uh, we went into East West Studios in Hollywood, uh, uh, Studio One, so one of my favorite, favorite rooms anywhere. And, uh, we all we had uh, Bruce Watson also came in to play guitars and um, uh, we all just set up there and we and within what was it thirteen days about thirteen days we had almost all we had it all tracked and then you know went in and did some a little bit of sweetening and, and background vocals and and things but uh, but we we did a, a we did this pretty live especially for today's standards um, and then you know as it was done. You know, Steve had mentioned about about 
seeing this as a as a narrative, even more of a narrative, and maybe maybe doing some presentation. And we started talking about it and looking into it. And he started writing and kind of changing the lyrics and and thinking it through. And it and it really started coming together. And we said, well, let's 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 make this a presentation. And um, the process has been really great. And uh, it's not. It's not easy. It's uh, there's, there's definitely a lot of working parts in it, and uh, but it's been great. We have wonderful people. Um, like you said about the the cast, we have a great band. Um, I'm really proud of everybody in the band, and the cast is we're very picky on on the personalities, getting a big wide variety of personality and and styles, uh, but all being a very good level of singing. Um, you know, I, I come from fortunate. I've, I've worked with many of the really what I consider some of the best singers in, in, in rock. And so I really want to try to keep that standard. And um, and I and we have but they're really, really wonderful. But that's, you know, that that's kind of how it, how uh, I got acquainted with them. And, and um, you know, I, I just think we've always, we've all, I guess, really enjoyed the whole concept record. Right. And uh, just by way of uh, background, uh, Denny has uh, worked with a number of artists that include Hart, Roger Waters, John Paul Jones, uh, Peter Frampton, Tracy Chapman, to name a few, uh, just to kind of you know put it into a little bit of context. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, Kurt there in the back, uh, sort of the same question, you know, uh, whether it's concept albums, the the term rock opera anything that uh connected with you could it could be recently could have been you know decades ago anything comes to mind when you start thinking about this sort of long form storytelling well i i come from my the bands that i loved the most growing up were bands like genesis pink floyd and yes and the first con and the who quadrophenia the first sure. record that i really got into was the lamb lies down on Broadway and by Genesis. Right. And, and this is the, this is the Peter Gabriel Genesis, not the Phil Peter Collins Gabriel. Genesis that people think about, which they're, I mean, they're basically two different bands, you know, I mean, yes, it was yeah. the last Peter Gabriel's last album. And I, yeah. and I loved it so much, but I honestly didn't understand um, the, the true story all the way through. And then later on I got into Quadrophini when it came out and the wall. And when it came to, um, doing this record was Steve had the story in mind. I just thought it was just so great how, how really the thread between songs there's it's, it's easy to follow. And that's what I really, really liked about this. And he just did such a tremendous job. <laughs> I just, um, it's easy to follow for those who've written it. <laughs> <laughs> if, if I can follow it, trust me, anyone can follow it. And, um, so I just I just mainly focus on the music and you know between the three of us, you know we just I think we just make a great team, plus the other musicians who Bruce of course on the record and now the the people in our, our live band are just um, I could not be happier. Yeah, and we'll uh, we'll sort of talk about uh, the ideas and the the storytelling, but uh, you've sort of both referenced something that I think is interesting, where you know obviously as musicians, you know, you audition people, you try to collaborate with people, but when you're actually putting on a stage version like this, you can have somebody show up. It's like, wow, they're a great singer. 
wow, they're a terrible actor though, you know, <laughs> or the other way around is like, man, they really, you know, they move right. They do everything, but they don't sing as well as like eight other people. So how, how difficult is it to have to, you know, just being a great singer isn't necessarily enough. You know, they have to really, you feel, bring the character to the stage. Specifically for you, Steve. Oh, for me. Um, well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's for yeah. everybody. But, no, no, uh, no. I, I realize now I've started with Steve twice, so I'm clearly playing favorites. <laughs> That's fine. The uh, This is a process that uh, I've never been through before. Um, sitting and, and having auditions and watching people um read dialogue as well as sing snippets of songs um, and reacting to them and figuring out who's going to work on both the acting and on the vocal performance side of things. Um, yeah, I think we had the benefit of a lot of these people were sort of handpicked from people that the director or uh, Denny as the producer or other people had worked with in the past. So we did not have a kind of cattle call type audition. We had a pretty focused group of people came in and um, we really hit the target most of the time. Fortunately, we did not have to ask many people to go home. So um, I feel like, you know, I'm, I'm thrilled that there is so much dedication and care being put into the show, including the selection of the cast by the director Jeffrey Polk and, and Denny Fongheiser here, the producer. So I, it's very touching to me to see people pouring so much uh, heartfelt love and devotion into this thing that Kurt and I created, you know, that started out with just him and I. And so to see it keep growing like this is, is pretty remarkable. Yeah. Denny, how much does that help the process to, you know, sort of be putting it together and have people come to mind like, Oh, I actually have a few people I think would be great for this. Well, um, I uh, it, I always saw this, and I think we we all agreed to this. Is some kind of a something that kind of stands on, on its own. It's not a concert. It's not necessarily a full blown musical, as we as we think of musicals. But it's some kind of combination. And 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 uh, so, with that said, you know, wanted a lot of wonderful characters, different characters, and which which will make it more theatrical. And uh, and yes, they all had to sing well. Uh, I think what was what was good is 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 Jeffrey and I come from two different worlds, and uh, we both have blended in each other's worlds, and him him in the music world and, and me in the theater world. But but we, for the most part, we're from those those two worlds. So he brought in some people, you know, uh, that 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 he felt good about, and I, I brought in people I felt good about that that I felt were great singers and also could act and or have acted. And and a lot of a lot of great front people, especially in rock bands, you know, they're, they're good actors to begin with. You know, they're 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 doing it for thousands of people a night. So um, that kind of kind of worked out. And uh, singing wise, I mean, we can pretty tell pretty much tell within a first couple of lines if you know if if somebody's going to work or not. And um, so they would send in. We had a lot of people send in examples and so we went through all those examples first and and you know and then narrowed it down to what we felt with who would be strong and um and combine that with their acting we have uh eight extra people from uh other than than steve and the ensemble so a total of nine and uh i think 
we we auditioned we ended up having 12 come down total something like that 11 or 12 and um and uh we're we're very fortunate that 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 the ones that you know we we, we picked really worked out and yeah yeah uh kurt how has this uh proud uh pr- process uh been for you just sort of getting to work with these uh, you know how does it compare is is this a unique experience in your career or uh, is it reminiscent of anything that you've done before this is a very unique experience uh prior to this uh it's always been you know i had my own bands before and steve and i began um our our band he and i um this is our this would be our third record uh but this is the first time he and I are playing live. So Denny, uh, another great thing about Denny, Denny is so, so knowledgeable about musicians. And I think you touched on this earlier a little bit about people's personalities. He put together this, the live band uh, with people that I had never played with before. And from bar one, I felt like we were, we've been playing together for, years and years now as far as the other singers are, are concerned we're getting into that soon but right now we're focusing just on the music and um but the, the experience alone is I, i'm loving it it's it's the most fun i've ever had well that uh that must uh sound great to the uh well to both of you to really all of you the fact that uh it's the most fun and uh hopefully you know that uh translates uh, for audiences, which uh, we'll talk about in a moment, but let's go all the way back to how does this idea first generate? And if you can summarize, uh, obviously you, you don't want to give away all 22 songs, but uh, how does the idea first come about and how does it build in your mind, Steve, as you're sort of, you know, really expanding out the story? What's the kernel of the idea that, uh, that yeah. before it even pops to overextend yeah. the metaphor? Yeah, well, I read lots and lots and lots of books and um, always have. Uh, And there was one particular book that has always been very uh, meaningful to me because it's sort of a narrative novel, but it's also a a philosophical exploration of uh, the concept that the author called quality in life. His name is uh, Robert Piercig. He wrote only two books. This is the first one I'm referring to uh, called Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance. Um, I love the second one as well. But It's a great um, title, by the way. <laughs> it's a great book. And <clears throat> it was written in 1974, I think. And one of its premises was trying to examine the impact of technology on the quality of our individual lives as human beings. And obviously being written so long ago, it had no opportunity to contemplate the digital technology world and the mass media and social media world that we now live in. But it occurred to me as I was reading it for like the 10th time, that this is a concept that would be really interesting exploring in a modern context. You know, what is the impact and how do we choose to use these technologies and are we using them in ways that are 
empowering? Are we using them in ways that are disempowering? Are they making us happier? And um, I've also been a, a longtime fan of a book called Brave New World by Aldous Huxley, um, which has a relationship in my mind um, because it basically talks about a utopian world or a dystopian world, I guess, where people are just mostly interested in being amused all the time and don't even raise their own children. And then I read a couple of other books by a guy named Nicholas Carr, and it all just sort of came together for me that <clears throat> this subject of technology and social media and mass media is so pervasive now that everybody experiences it in one way or another or in many ways and that it would make a appealing subject to explore kind of philosophically because so many people can relate to it i mean whether you agree with sort of the point of view of songs or not uh, you know i i think it's worth thinking about it uh because we live in a very different world than you know just we had 20 years ago and even and I have four children and, you know, I have a 30 year old child who remembers what it was like to grow up before cell phones. And I have a 21 year old child who doesn't. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's funny that that's, that's the fine line right there is those nine years between them. Uh, yeah. And uh, yeah, my kids are young, seven and four. And I think of the, the things that they won't be able to grasp the concept of, you know, as simple as a pay phone, you know, <laughs> and it, it, it's interesting when you have things that, are you know sort of looking towards the future like the the book you referenced uh you know a, a good a good way to think about it is you know the the movie network was really looking ahead and it's like oh yeah they had no idea what television <laughs> was going to become you know what i mean like your wildest dreams uh, you know you, you think of you know science fiction like Star Trek, they had those communicators, but yet my cell phone that I'm holding up right now can do so much more than any of those communicators they ever had on Star Trek because, oh, I want access to all of the information that's ever recorded. And as I referenced earlier, every song that's ever recorded, yeah, I can find it with this little thing in my hand. So it's it's interesting to really think about it and sort of extrapolate it out to the modern day. But uh, And then what I always think about is you know, well, what's the next 20 years? So these last 20 years have been crazy. You know, I mean, I remember when the microwave was the most ingenious invention in my lifetime, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but, um, but uh, as a, you know, as, so as Steve's presenting this work, I'm going to have the same question for both of you. I'll ask you first, Kurt, uh, did you, uh, what were your thoughts and did, was it, like, oh, I get it. Or did you, did it have to kind of sit with you for a little bit to sort of, uh, you know, digest it? Or was, did it, was it one of those, just the way it was presented? You're like, oh yeah, yeah. I see what he's trying to say. Well, it, it was, it was remarkable for me because a lot of times how we work is we'll, we'll be writing things separately and then we come to the studio together and Hey, what do you have? What do you have? You know, go to work on the next record. And a couple of these instances, you know, we both have things fully flushed out. And then there was one song in particular that I said, hey, what do you think about this? Steve went, hey, this is interesting. And it was a little different from anything we've done. And I didn't think it was going to make the cut, actually. He came back the next day with the lyrics just completely done. And I went, this is great. 
and he just ran with it. I contributed zero. What song was that? <laughs> that was I Am Anger. I Am Anger. Yeah, and I, and I just I just thought, I don't know, this is kind of heavy. And next day he came back and he had, had it done. I went, well, this is cool. So, yeah, for me now, this this experience is completely different. Yeah. Um, but don't be like a politician. You got to answer his question, too. <laughs> oh, yeah. Was did you really <laughs> bad at uh, staying on the subject? Did you, did you relate to the themes or did, you, did it take time for it to grow on you? Oh, no. Like, I, completely, I completely related to it. Specifically, on one of the songs, it's called Motorcycle. And it's about, well, Steve will explain what it's about. But, <laughs> but being a, a motorcycle rider, you know, I would always... I would never, this is, you know, I'd never consider listening to music or having anything going on when I'm motorcycle riding because the act of doing it takes you away from everything. And Oh, uh, wow. Yeah, I've, yeah. Uh, I've, I've never ridden a motorcycle, uh, so I never thought about that. But, I mean, as you explained it, I'm like, oh, yeah, that would, it would be a distraction and not in a good way. So, yeah. I can, yeah, I, yeah. yeah, exactly. And Steve just hit the nail on the head with that. And I was like, and, and I'll, as a, as the songs kept coming in with the lyrics, it's it's just remarkable what he did. In my opinion, truly, uh, truly. Denny, who has uh, popped off camera, but uh, there he is. Hello. What <laughs> <laughs> a tight spot here. No, I know it's a, it worked out fine. Um, it's sort of a, the same question, you know, as it's presented to you, and you start to take it in, and Steve's you know, explaining the story, uh, is it, uh, was it a lot to take in or, uh, what kind of connection did you have with it right away? And how did it kind of linger and sit with you the more you thought about it? Well, uh, actually when we first, um, spoke, he sent me an email and responded back. Uh, and I said, I would love to hear all the music. And, and, and then he, he sprung that there was 22 songs <laughs> and, um, and, uh, so and they're not four minute songs and uh they're seven minute songs and so it was uh so okay great and so I, I went through every single one of them and um i think i asked them for the lyrics too and and uh you know try to understand what this was and and i, I did relate to it and it did make sense and um you know it was a conversation that so many of us have you know throughout each day at some point you know and um and uh, as he started writing, even thinking about this, uh, in my opinion, it got even broader and 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 touched on even more things uh, that I think are relevant. And I just I felt I I agree with Steve where it's a conversation worth having, and it it is good for people to think about. It's kind of like when you go to a good movie. Sometimes you walk out of the movie, you don't say a word, but the next morning you start having a conversation about it, and you know it's, it gets you thinking. And that's how I kind of felt this was. Um, yeah, you know, I always think those are the those are the best movies where you know, or really the best anything where right away you're like, I think I liked it, but I need to think about it. You know what I mean? Where you don't know right away. Look, because if it's bad, you know right away. You're like, Ooh, that was that was the this is the worst sixteen dollars I ever spent. But if it if it's good, it's hard to put your finger on like was it good? Was it great? What was it about it? You know? And then, mm -hmm. and uh, yeah, no, I think that uh, it's great to kind of have that time. Of course we, yeah. we yeah. live in an age where it's like, 
well, you just saw a movie. Why haven't you, you know, told thousands of people on social media what you thought about this thing? Did you love it? Did you hate it? Uh, it's nice to sometimes uh, digest it. And the uh, the show we're talking about, uh, Staring Into Nothing, that'll debut at the El Portal Theater in North Hollywood, California, October 7th. And I believe there's three shows that weekend, but correct me if I'm wrong. I that's my understanding. Is it, it, yep. The 7th, 8th, and 9th. Seventh, eighth, and ninth, uh, and uh, I, I, it's uh, I like that area of uh, North Hollywood. It's uh, yeah, and uh, it's a great theater, really yeah. great theater. So uh, yeah, so people can uh, find out about it uh, very, very simply. Just going into, just go to staringintonothing.net. Um, uh, dot com. Oh, oh, is it really? Yep. Okay. You know what? It is dot com. It's right in front of me, and yet somehow I had dot net in my head. And it's, that's a big difference. <laughs> so I'm sorry about that. Staringintonothing.com. Uh, but uh, so, yeah, and that's where they'll be able to find everything. So uh, as we're talking right now, it's about three weeks away. So for each of you, what do you need to do to get ready over these uh, next three weeks? Uh, I'll ask you first, uh, Kurt. Uh, well, we're, re we're in rehearsals right now. Um it's it's uh, very simple for me. I just need to put to change my bass strings the night of the show. And that's about <laughs> all going on right now. Is we're we're on top of it musically. How but, how yeah. soon before the show do you get into the theater to actually you know rehearse in that space? We have a uh, five days there. The twenty sixth. We, we we go okay. in there on the twenty sixth. Oh great. And, okay. Yeah. So we'll probably have about eight days in there before the show, eight to 10 days. Yeah, no, that sounds great. Yeah, to just have a feel for how it plays. Yeah. Uh, and uh, same question for you, uh, Denny, as we, uh, you know, three weeks out or so. Uh, what, uh, what's, what are all the moving parts for you right now? Well, um, there's a lot of moving parts. Uh, you know, since I'm producing it, I kind of have to have my eye on all of them. Luckily, I have amazing people working uh, for us that I can trust um but uh, you know we, we still need to know what's going on um as of uh right now we're we're getting through we're at a rehearsal studio and and um the band's rehearsing and then downstairs there's uh, a big dance studio where the ensemble's rehearsing and uh at the, some point this week i'll start bringing up the leads and they'll be uh they'll be singing with us and uh but when we get in starting the 26th of um, September into El, El Portal, uh, the, uh, the, in the morning, there'll be this, the sets will all come in, all the lighting will come in, then all the audio will come in, and the next day we'll have sound checks, and then we'll start running it as an ensemble, uh, you know, as a collective, and really make it one. And uh, my hope is, you know, on, on any tours you go on, it's usually like, show five to eight all of a sudden just everything just turns into another level and um and that has to do not only with playing through it a few times but but also everybody being together and working together and um so my goal with this is our show one will be our show eight and right uh, so. No, that makes sense. Uh, that it's funny because it makes me think of something. In the live chat, uh, our friend Dominica Saxon says North Hollywood figures nothing good comes to Idaho. He 
of course lives in Idaho, but, uh, and, you know, so far there's no plans for Idaho, but, uh, you know, we'll see. It's kind of an interesting thing, the way you put that, because <laughs> I think when I used to see routing for tours, you'd be like, why are they starting in Salt Lake city? You know, why are mm. they start, you know, and it's just cause it's like, you gotta kick the tires a little bit, you know, you have to kind of, you know, get that. And, and obviously, you know, even the even the Rolling Stones will rehearse before they go back out on tour, and it's like, yeah, but you've been playing these songs for you know, fifty years. But you know, when you haven't played them in three or four years, it uh, it makes sense. So uh, yeah, obviously, when you've got a, a weekend of shows, you you don't want to have that feeling of like, yeah, well, we'll we'll figure it out in you know show three, you know, right? Exactly. So, exactly. Yeah, and uh, for you, Steve, as uh, again, we're about three weeks out. Are you? Uh, are you able to relax? Are you able to sleep at night or is it like you try to close your eyes and then there's like a million more things that, you know, uh, still need to, you know, just attentions to detail that you don't want to uh, stones that you don't want left uh, unturned. Well, first of all, let me say that our goal is that these shows will be a success and people will be able to really uh, enjoy them. And if that is the case, uh, it would certainly be my intention that there would be other shows that would follow. I do live half the time in Boise, Idaho, so that's a real possibility. <laughs> see, I had no idea. That's not a setup. I didn't see that in your notes. So, Dominicus Saxon, I will message you uh, when when the uh, when the Idaho run opens. Uh, exactly, but uh, I'm not. I, I'm in this presentation. I am not a musician. I'm not yeah. on the stage with a musical instrument. I'm part of the cast. I'm one of the uh, main characters, and so I'm definitely uh, going through the process of learning what it's like to be a, a performer on stage in an ensemble setting and follow choreographer directions and movement guidelines and things like that. So I would say that it's certainly not relaxing for me. I, I don't, I don't want to let everybody down, and uh, that's what I try and focus my attention on is doing the best job I can. Well, now I've started something because Dominica Saxon says Boise is in Idaho. So now I don't even know what that means. <laughs> so <laughs> I guess I, I guess that's the big city. So I know live what in the that rest means. Of, yeah. That must I know yeah. what that means. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's like I I grew up in the rural suburbs of New York State and uh, you know, people are always very specific and they would say New York State because they were just like, Well, you don't want people to think I live in the city, you know. But uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I think I see what he what he's getting at. Uh, so yeah, I, I can see that, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot that uh, goes into an undertaking like this. I think it'll be, uh, exciting to be able to unveil it now. So far, uh, I was sent three of the songs. Uh, so there's 19 others and I, I don't know that I've pieced together the story. I think our conversation has helped me more, but, uh, I believe the ones I've heard are, uh, yeah, down the hole. I am anger, which came up a, a few minutes ago and, the uh, staring into nothing. And I feel like that one is probably, you know, representative and, you know, our audio listeners are going to hear uh, some little snippets. Uh, uh, what do you think those, th do you, do you feel that those three songs are representative of what the show is? Or are you just thinking now, like, well, wait, there's like two other ones that would have been better to, to help tell the story or are those the ones that do the best representation of what the story will be? There's a very wide diversity of musical styles in this show, and they mm -hmm. range from pretty heavy songs like Down the Hole and I Am Anger to really just a singer and an acoustic guitar. 
Um, Staring into Nothing's an example of a song that's uh, more piano and, and orchestrated and melodic. Um, so I, I think they are representative of certain types of songs, but there's mm-hmm. so many different types of styles on the record that they can't be representative of everything. Right. And I, I think that uh, when you tell a story like that, I mean, we started off talking about Jesus Christ Superstar. And if you were to just listen to like 10 seconds, you know, go through the CD and like skip tracks, you're like, well, this doesn't, none of this sounds the same, you know? So I think mm-hmm. it's great to be able to have that kind of representation of, you know, just the, the whole spectrum. Well, uh, I'm excited to uh, hear more. Uh, as I mentioned to the uh, the publicist who set this up, Jody, who always helps me out, that uh, this is, I could practically walk to this theater, so I do hope to be able to uh, make it to one of the shows. Oh, wonderful. Uh, but, uh, you know, I live in Burbank, so I'm not really walking. I'll drive the three minutes. But, you know, it's, it's like I practically could. <laughs> Um, but in any case, uh, yes, yeah, so I'm excited to hear more about it and uh, really get to see it. And I, I do hope it's it's the beginning of, you know, something, you know, I mean, when you you hear about, you know, shows that had very humble beginnings, you know, a lot of you know shows like Avenue Q and Rent, you know, that ran for years, you know, you hear about when they start and, uh, you, you know, you just getting a theater, being on stage, being able to play. Uh, I'm yeah, I think I'm excited about it. Uh, as we wind up, uh, Kirk, what are you most looking forward to about, uh, opening night, about actually getting to do this in front of a crowd? You know, that, well, that, that, that's exactly it for, for me playing music to an audience where, you know, people enjoy the music, the, the give and take is, is what it's all about to me. And on a side note, something that I don't know if was brought up or not. The visuals in this, on this behind us is a, a giant screen, and um, we have a wonderful filmmaker who made incredible films that will lock with the story and the music. So, hopefully, I'm not turned around staring at the screen, <laughs> which would be <laughs> right. like me. But yes, play, play, just playing live with the audience. I just, I can't wait. Yeah, uh, same thing for you, uh, Denny, about opening night. What are you looking forward to? Yeah, well, like like Kirk said, yeah, the, the production is pretty wonderful, and and we do have some really great video work from Hayden, and then we have uh, all these all the great graphics. We have uh, we have going to have some wonderful lighting and and, and the staging um, and sound. So, in in all this time that we've been kind of putting this together. You know, like anything, like any production, any record or, or a live production, you know, you have all these intentions, uh, but your hopes is it comes out and turns into something a little bit different than you thought, but and better. And, and, and whatever ever ends up being at that moment that, you know, that that's what ends up, that's what it turned into. And so that's what I'm excited about, seeing it all come together, that opening night having everybody pour their heart out in it and everything just 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 coming together and and we can just sit there and go this is it this is what we were hoping for and and hopefully even better and uh you know steve you mentioned actually being a part of the cast so uh i i feel like you're not going to be able to look up and admire the filmmaking (laughs) behind you because uh you know odds are the story won't uh, flow as well if you're distracted you know it's (laughs) yeah 
Indeed. It's, no, I'm just it's the opposite just, of people. It's the opposite of people who like use their cell phone in the theater. You know, you're like, I bet there's just a giant screen behind me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I'm just going to try and remember the words and hit my spots. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right exactly uh well uh it's uh, been great to uh talk about this with uh, all of you uh it seems like a very exciting undertaking uh and as i mentioned earlier uh staring into nothing.com uh not as i mentioned earlier at the wrong website but staring into nothing.com and uh the the el portal uh i i hear it said and uh, that makes more sense than me just saying yeah the el portal uh but it's in north hollywood and you can find out everything that you need uh to know uh from there uh, i've been joined by denny fongheiser steve rogers and uh kurt i feel like i'm just there's no way i'm gonna get your last name exactly yes. correct i heard you <laughs> say it and then i was like i didn't write it down kurt how do we get your last name correctly yes. i don't want to embarrass Barabbas. Okay. I was going to say Barabbas. So that's why I had you say it, uh, which by the way, sounds like that would be an extra in uh, Jesus Christ Superstar. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Enter Barabbas. Uh, in any case, uh, guys, very exciting for you and uh, looking forward to uh, hopefully uh, getting a chance to check out the show myself. Uh, staring into nothing, staring into nothing.com. Thanks guys. Thank you. Uh, thank you. Bye. Now we're staring Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel, The Bladcast. That's B-L-A-D-T-C-A-S-T. You can also subscribe to the audio version wherever podcasts are found. Like The Bladcast on Facebook, follow at Bladcast on Twitter and Instagram, and of course, the man responsible for what you just heard is on Twitter and Instagram, at ChristianDMZ. I'm Farad Muhammad, and if you want me to voice your podcast intro, you can find me at Twitter and Instagram at F-A-R-D- M-U-H-A-M-M-A-D. We will see you next time on the Bladcast. Hope I'm saying this right. The Blathcast. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye.